Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Welcome back, or maybe welcome in, depending on, you know, your situation. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, howdy. Hour number two of the big show here on a Tuesday afternoon. Hope you're staying cool and, uh, you know, appreciate you being along with us. If you missed anything in the first hour, listen on the podcast. The podcast available all the time anytime on all your favorite podcasting platforms it is there thanks to blackfoot and to alpine touch uh if you would like to pick up your phone and call us you can do that 361-3688 you can also how about this text that phone number now as well 361-3688 text in give us your feedback thoughts on the show criticisms you know we're into that i'd take take whatever you got coming 406-361-3688 all guests join us via the rankish brothers rv phone line and if you would like to uh, go ahead and listen live on the web you can do that as well go to our website 1029espn.com the stream is available thanks to opportunity bank your local bank your opportunity Coulter, uh danny sprinkle was available today for a little bit of media from Brick Breeden Fieldhouse. he was uh, masked up there in the field house this is uh day two of 
getting the band back together, so to speak. Not even everybody is back yet for Coach Sprinkles' uh, very internationally flavored club, uh, but finally get to be back on the floor. Now they got to keep maintaining social distance, so it's not like they're playing games. They couldn't even do one-on-one stuff, but they can do some some conditioning stuff. They can do some drills, you know, with with spacing involved. Uh, but nonetheless. Something's better than nothing, and uh, and Coach Sprinkle got to be back with uh, this iteration, his second as he heads into year two with the Montana State uh, head men's basketball coach, and uh, got everybody back together. So here we go, a couple of sound bites for you from Coach Sprinkle. Coach, how nice is it just to be playing basketball again? It's been awesome just to get back in the gym with these guys, and uh, you know, obviously there's still the restrictions. You got the mask. You know, we can't play one on one or two on two. You know, everybody's got to kind of keep a distance. So, you know, even when we're doing closeouts and things like that, they got to close out short, which we don't want to do. But you know, it's better than nothing right now. And we're able to just kind of get some shots up and you know do a lot of defensive slides and and things like that, which you can tell that the guys haven't done anything defensively in about five months because uh, they came back today even you could tell their growings are a little sore you know that's such an interesting comment and one honestly that i hadn't really considered uh i'm not a coach so you know i'm not paid to consider it but if you are just one person and you're gonna go work on your basketball it's offensive, right? I mean, you got a basketball in your hand. Maybe you lift some weights. Maybe you do some running. But, you know, you're out there. If you can find a hoop, you're shooting at it. You're dribbling around. You're doing that kind of thing. It's pretty hard to just, like, defensive slide against nothing. Or, you know, I guess you can run and practice closing out if you really want to. But, I mean, that's not really happening. And all of a sudden, a whole different muscle group is at play. A whole different set of, you know, actions is happening. And uh, you go, well, well, what's going on here? I feel like I haven't really uh, been out here all that much. So, okay, you know, they got the run through. I'm so interested to hear from the guys where they've been working out or if they even have been working out. Where you're from and where you've been the last three to four months is so important. Absolutely. I have been just staggered shocked by how many NBA players I've listened to podcasts with over the last three to four months, whether it's listening to the Bill Simmons podcast or the Ryan Rosillo podcast or the All the Smoke podcast with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. There's been a variety of guys that are still in the NBA that, I mean, these guys are multi-multi-millionaires that have said, man, I have not been able to work out at all. Like Ennis Cantor was talking about, I've been locked down in my house in Boston. I've been packing all my clothes in suitcases so I can lift weights via suitcase. He's like, I don't have any weights in my house. I don't have a hoop in my house. I got nothing. You I mean, just... I mean, can't you Amazon in some dumbbells? That's you know? what I'm saying. Like, if like you... I mean, Ernest Cannon made like $22 million last year. I, you'd think you could just... Buy, you know, a $5,000 home workout thing or something. Here's I don't know. I just couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, Ennis Cantor, Bradley Beal, James Harden, like, J.J. Redick. Dudes who are, like, good players. Like, you guys don't have any access to a hoop somewhere? I understand here we are in the state of Montana, and all anybody that's from the state of Montana is talking about right now as it pertains to this are the number of non-Montana license plates. That <laughs> that's right. The road, okay? That's right. So I, I, I'm totally with you, so I don't want to sit here and anger our listenership, okay? But I am going to say this. If you are Ennis Cantor or anybody else that's a professional athlete or, frankly, anybody else with means in a major metropolitan area, why would you stay there right now? Right. Why? Right. Why would you right. do that? Right. You should, like, it just, you can't go anywhere. There's nothing to do. It's more dangerous. I mean, it's it's far so less safe dangerous. in the city, you know, for, uh, uh, with, with all the people. Why Why would you stay in your home in Boston with nothing to work out with? With no, I, mean, I don't understand. Maybe it's comfortable or whatever. I mean, Ennis Cantor's from Turkey. He's seen some things in his life. He doesn't. Oh, he's not worried about. You could get in your car and drive to Nebraska and just go play in a hoop out there in the open air. I don't know, man. But why would you not do that? I don't get it. The, t- not to derail this too much, but but do you know the whole Ennis Cantor like situation? Well, I, I know right fair now? amount. Like the his dad that, just got released. Like the re- end of like this podcast is crazy. Ago, yeah, like the yeah. political nature of his life. Mm-hmm. He has basically uh, been very vocal about the right to vote in Turkey. Sounds like a very normal thing in America. And he is, he's like a political 
What do you call? It? He's like a fugitive almost. Yeah, he, no, he 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 is he is uh, uh, wanted in Turkey, and they have yeah. to like when they when Bossy goes and plays in Toronto, for example, they have to have like a special procedure to get. Enes Cantor in and out of Toronto because they don't want him to get seized at the border by the Turkish government. Like they're yeah. hunting this guy down. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's a uh, it's insane. It's a gnarly. So gnarly I think that answers, answers the Enes Cantor question. Like when it's Why pandemic time, he's like, I'm just going to stay at home because I can't leave anywhere. Well, maybe. But so. that doesn't explain it for guys like. I mean, Bradley Beal just signed like a hundred and thirty million dollar contract. Well, but, it's not even even about the money. Totally, but really? like you're saying, like you and I are not dropping five thousand dollars on the garage weights. Bradley Beal could easily just have someone deliver a whole set of weights to his house. Right. Build me a sport court. Right. By yourself. I'll pay you full labor to do it as a one human thing. Build me a sport court in my backyard. I don't know. It, it just seems crazy. Anyways, I'm so interested to see where these guys have been working out because it might be actually ironic. Like a guy like, say, Caleb Belich, who's from Manhattan, Montana. Mm-hmm. Like, he's probably been able... I mean, his dad was the basketball coach at Manhattan Christian. He's probably been able to just take the keys and go shoot around at 10 o'clock at night all by himself. He yeah. might have been getting it in more than anybody. Yeah. And yeah. so it's it's interesting, you know, because, I mean, that's the one thing is a lot of these guys have been home, and home for a lot of these guys, like you were saying, for the Cats or is international, and for the Grizz is very urban. That's one note here. Montana State has had a couple practices. Like Coach Sprinkle mentioned there, their staff is in full masks and gloves, and and you know, it looks like almost a hazmat suit that they're wearing. Montana is not; they're not practicing yet. As we know, Travis Secure spent a good amount of the quarantine in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And when we talked to him, I mean, the last couple times we talked to him, it's been on Zoom because he's like, "Man, I just got back from Seattle. No one's coming around here, you know." Yeah. And a lot of his guys have have been in urban areas, whether it's Seattle or the Bay, and so they are really slow planning to see how the situation develops, let guys get back here safely. If and when they do get back here, they're, they're going to have to quarantine for a while. So Montana is not hitting the ground running like Montana State. And I don't know. I think there's validity to both because, I mean, the worst thing you could have in basketball is if guys got sick sure. right now. Uh, let's hear from some more from uh, Coach Sprinkle here. This is a, a couple of questions, but the first one, just how much have the restrictions from COVID set you back? Yeah, I mean, I don't – I think everybody in the country is in the same boat. Uh you know, it is what it is. And, you know, we're just hoping that the season starts on time and, and you know, just trying to break these guys in. You know, obviously, like I said, it's been about four or five months. And so we're just kind of, you know, we're going to take it pretty easy the first two weeks, you know, and then hopefully we're able to start, you know, building up to where we can do some one-on-one or where we can kind of take the pad out a little bit and, and uh, hit these guys a little bit and get physical. But, you know, for now it's just kind of trying to basically get them back into shape. You know, whether it's defensive stuff or just the pace that we want them to go at. What were some of the big things that you were having them do over the last few months to just stay in shape? I know there's basketball courts you can shoot around everywhere, but what were you guys telling them they needed to do? Uh, our strength coach, uh, John Sauer, did a really good job um, of when it was legal. for the. You know, he was sending them workouts when they were at home. And, you know, I think the guys, they did a pretty good job, you know, for the most part of, you know, whether they're just doing push-ups or sit-ups in their garage or, you know, going for a jog outside and doing little things like that. Um, you know, obviously they're not in the best shape right now, but, you know, we, we just tried to do as much as we could with, with what we were given. And when you have guys, all 15 guys at different places all over the country, you know, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, you have to trust in their, them and their work ethic. They're actually didn't get the workouts in. And, uh, I mean, our guys did. I mean, Borja, you know, he's over in Spain, but he'd be sending us videos and, and, you know, I mean, he's he's in the best shape of his life right now. You know, and he's going to get back next Sunday. Him and Finn uh, flute, and so you know, really excited. Once we get those two back, we'll have everybody on campus, which will be good. So, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing you talked about. You know, where where people are from, but a couple Canadians, a couple of Europeans, yeah, Spanish guys, a England. German. I mean, yeah, Finn flutes from Germany, and so you know, you got. <laughs> That's that's tough to get everybody back on the same page when you're you know truly global in that respect for for a basketball team. The right travel now. part is hard, um, ironically, because the pandemic hit Europe first. A lot of the places these guys are coming from are actually like the ones that are doing the best in terms mm-hmm. of managing it. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. It, it's uh, it's an unenviable position to be in, certainly because I think basketball more than any other sport. You have to, I mean, you can't practice basketball without, like, touching each other. 
it's hard to do. Like you can do a lot of you, you can't really play football without touching each other, obviously, but you can do a variety of drills that are pertaining to yeah. football to at least keep a little bit sharp. Run rounds. You've got to play hoops to yeah. play hoops, and to play hoops, you have to straight touch the guy. Like yeah. you're breathing in his ear. So you have to I mean, it just seems like the place where uh transmission of infection would be prevalent. Uh this was I thought an interesting question and a pretty reasonable answer. You know, does it um, not having fans that brick breeding, you know, that maybe being a possibility, does that freak you guys out at all? Or you guys just want to be able to get a season in? Yeah, I mean, it does freak you out because, I mean, the community is such a huge part of our program and just the energy they give us, uh, you know, and that's that's everywhere. And, you know, obviously, yeah, we just want to get the season in no matter what. Um, but it, it won't be the same playing here without fans. I know that, uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, we just got to hope for the best and, you know, hopefully they just, you know, hopefully we can get a vaccine, you know, sooner than later and, and keep everybody safe. You know, that's, that's a lot more important than any basketball season or football season. Obviously with football being look, the biggest sport, uh, in, in the country, the collegiate level period, period and, yeah. and also next in line in terms of scheduling, right. we focused on that. I do find it interesting, though, that the other significant revenue generating sport is men's basketball. Mm-hmm. But it is not anywhere anything close to what it is like for football. And also, both the Montana and Montana State programs have seen a consistent increase in average attendance over the past several years. Mm-hmm. Coach Fish, I thought, did a, a very good job of that in Bozeman, and Coach Sprinkle certainly carried that on last year, and, and you would think into this season as well. Certainly. And Travis DeCure, over his time, you know, he's he's buying pizzas for the students. He's doing everything he possibly can to get people into the gym and has done a, a great job of that as well. That said... As well documented, it's not like it once was where it was right. seven thousand people in a bleacher-filled, you know, Dahlberg Arena back in the day. And if you had something like a half-capacity restriction, it wouldn't be it w- it would be less, but it wouldn't be that much less right. from what it normally would be, especially in the non-conference. If there's non-conference basketball, mm-hmm. I mean. You got, you know, Montana playing Central Washington. They probably don't have to change anything in terms of the numbers. Certainly, you probably change where the seating happens, how people come in and go out. But in terms of the sheer numbers, it probably doesn't change all that much. And so, um, you know, that that makes it maybe a little more easier, a little easier and a little more feasible to think about having a, a normalization, if you will, to basketball that isn't there for football right now. After the redesign of Brick Breeden Fieldhouse in Montana State, mm-hmm. they put uh, like curtains in so that if it was a game where it's not going to, you know, it's not a big conference game where it's not Cat Grizz or whatever, they can draw the curtains down and then all 3,000 people that are there just sit in the bowl. The bowl. And yeah. so then it looks like it's almost full because you just don't see the upper sections. So then you can open up those upper sections, spread people out in that same scenario if it's just, you know, a normal 2,500 to 3,000 person game yeah. like, they, like they've like they been kind of just prone to draw. So, yeah, it is. I mean, this goes back to the exact argument with football, man, because you budget for what you expect. And when you're Montana, like right now, you, you expect about 4,500 to 5,000 fans a game, which is... What about sixty six percent capacity? Five thousand out of seventy five hundred is it? But you know whatever that percentage is, maybe close to seventy percent. That's what that's what you're kind of budgeting for as yeah. Montana men's basketball. So then, like you're saying, say that they just put a fifty percent limit on it. That's still only in, in, impeding about fifteen hundred fans short of what your average is. It's the very same scenario that we're, we were talking about yesterday with the University of Idaho. Them putting a fifty one hundred fan cap on their football home games. Okay, well, they averaged 6,300 fans last year, so that's only a 1,200 fan reduction. It's money, to be sure, but it's not the same thing as trying to justify and reallot a budget where you budgeted for 25,000 fans to be sitting in the stadium and you're going to have half of that. That's just so much more lost money on the football side than the basketball side, so you're right. One more piece of sound for you from uh, Montana State head men's basketball coach Danny Sprinkle. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. 
From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Was there anything that surprised you, good or bad, about your team when you finally saw them in person after all this time off? Um, nothing bad. Like, you know, nobody was grossly out of shape or anything like that. They, they actually look good. Uh, I mean, Devin Kirby's put on about 20 pounds. He actually looks the best he's ever looked uh, from a physical standpoint. Um, you know, I think, I mean, it was just, it was awesome just to see them all together. You know, I mean, obviously we're adding six new guys and just to be able to see them and, you know, I really think, you know, they're going to add a lot to our talent level this year and, you know, our length and athleticism, which I'm excited about. And now it's just kind of, you know, getting them all, you know, chemistry is such a huge part. And that's what kind of bailed us out last year is we had such high character guys that, you know, that, that really looked out for each other and cared for each other, which, you know, which led to some success. But, you know, now I think, you know, we, ought, we should be more talented. Uh, but that doesn't mean that doesn't equate to more wins. You know, are they going to play together? Are they going to, you know, do all the little things that last year's crew did uh, to give yourself to be a, a chance to be successful? So there you go. Getting everybody back together is, is the good uh, part of this, obviously, especially like you said. I mean, you got six new players uh, coming into the program and uh, and just being together, man. It's it's uh, it's pretty cool, uh, and especially now. So, so you take that stuff for granted to some extent before, right? Like, okay, well, yeah, okay, this is when this is when it's scheduled. This is what we do. But now it's like, hey, you know, what's going on? How's it, how's life? So, uh, Danny Sprinkle. On the Montana State side of things, just generally, this is an update from the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, the story printed about 10 minutes ago, in fact. Uh, Paul Schwelson from the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. Uh, this is the, the headline of the story is, Dalton County health officials say MSU football season hinges on containing local outbreak. There's a quote from Max Kelly, who's the health officer for Gallatin City County Health Department. I understand football is a high focus area and that people are curious and hopeful that we will have football back in Bozeman. But before we can get to that point, what we're working on right now is doing our best to get the local outbreak under control. And this is what makes Gallatin County and Yellowstone County different than what we're experiencing in western Montana. Gallatin County right now, 87 active cases, five hospitalizations, 25 new cases this week alone. That would be like the biggest numbers that Missoula County has seen, period. So yep. the outbreak is is significant there. It's more significant on the Montana State campus as well. MSU has confirmed at least five cases in June among people on campus, including one was a football player. Obviously, the name is not released, and they've declined releasing more statistics this month. But there, I mean, there's a lot of factors there. Obviously, the uh, Yellow, the Bozeman Airport is has way more direct flights than any other airport in Montana. Mm-hmm. You have people having the ability to come from big metropolitan areas way more easily, and you have Yellowstone National Park, and so you have people coming there for, as tourists from all over the world, and so that's I think why you see the higher numbers. But either way. Focusing on the local outbreak will be key for not only Montana State football, but also Danny Sprinkle and his men's basketball program as well. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, Coulter, a uh, piece of breaking news for the University of Montana men's basketball program. A uh, transfer has received a waiver from the NCAA. The Camp Parker friend of this show came on and joined us. Got a great kid, really funny kid. We enjoyed talking to him awesome. a lot. Yep. Uh, transfer from Sacred Heart. Uh, he's... Defining distinction is he holds the NCAA single game record for assists in a single game with 24 as a sophomore at Sacred Heart. It's a lot of dimes. He received his uh, waiver from the NCAA today. Uh, he told Jeff Goodman of Stadium Sports today, uh, so he will be eligible right away if and when the basketball season uh, takes place, and he will have two years of eligibility remaining. So that's a big addition to uh, the Montana men's basketball roster. Can I ask you this? 24 assists in a game is insane. He, it's the it all-time is. NCAA record for one game. It was against a so, D3 opponent, but it's still amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. But what I want to know is, what do we think about Cam Parker as a player in general? I mean, taking somebody at their absolute high watermark against, you know, an inferior opponent or whatever, D3 schools, sure. so, so on and so forth. But but obviously, he's a good player, yeah. a very good player. Right. But But... 
I'm not ready to sit here and extrapolate, oh, you know, John Stockton's coming to the University of Montana no, 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 when no, you no, talk no, about, no, no, you know, no, no, because no. he had this great day as a, as, as, as a facilitator. Though, as he told us, that is what he's interested in, and that is crucial as a style to have, you know, that sort of guy in in you know, on your team, right? Well, I mean, it wasn't just a 24-assist game. I mean, he's averaged more than eight assists a game yeah. in each of the last two years. He's been in the top 10 in the NCAA in assists so, so per what, game. That's so what he's about. That's what he's about. But also, you got to understand the system that they run. They run like a seven seconds or less type system where he's the guy that pushes the ball. He has almost no responsibility to create a shot for himself. He's pushing the ball, pushing the break, getting the guy, feeding him in the corner. They're hitting it. I think that Sacred Heart probably had a lot more shooters than what probably Montana has had the last couple of years because that's not necessarily the identity that Montana tries to cultivate offensively. Mm-hmm. So you got to factor in pace. you got to factor in the league. I think Cam Parker, that league's not as good as the big sky. Cam Parker's better than that league, so I think he was pretty much having his way in that yeah. league. But then, honestly, I don't think a guy is going to average more than like four and a half assists in or five assists a game. That's going to be a really high number in in what Travis DeCure likes to do offensively. Because they 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 run this kind of high-low where the point guard, you know, he passes it to the wing and then he runs the wheel and he comes up and gets it again, dumps down the post again. But it's methodical. Oftentimes when the point guard does try to initiate any sort of penetration, then they become the offensive focal point at that moment. They don't run a lot of pick and roll that gets you a lot of assists. Yeah. Despite their athleticism, they actually don't get out and transition. They have they run a ton of secondary fast break, if that makes sense. But they're yeah. not like running and gunning no. like you would yeah. maybe think they would. Yeah. And so that those sort of things impact numbers. Right? I mean, Ahmad Rory was averaging about three point eight to four point two assists a game. He's the consummate point guard. He's the consummate point guard, but he's also I would not classify him as a pass first or. Oh no! I mean, he was a, a, a seventeen hundred point right. scorer. So so I guess that's my thing is is has has Travis Secure ever at the University of Montana, had a true passing point guard. Like, this kid is just going to dish. And it is, you're right, it is Timmy Falls. Mm -hmm. But even he, you know, first of all, looked to score quite a bit. And second of all, was, um, you know, he wasn't in the role yet as being the... Sure. The dude to do that. You know but, what I mean? That was his role that he would come in and, and play. Well, also so much of the way that assists are tallied. Because mm-hmm. an assist is you catch the ball, you shoot the ball. Some liberal scorekeepers let you have a dribble before you do it. Or if you like catch it and then dribble into a layup or something, a lot of liberal scorekeepers give you assist on that. But most of the traditional assist is I passed the ball to you, you shot the ball, and you made the ball. Whether it was a dunk, a layup, a jump shot, or a three. Montana, they're... They hardly ever do that, period. Almost every single shot they make is created off the dribble no matter what position that you play, right? Yeah. I mean, even the center yeah. gets the ball and does a couple power. Like when Ahmad Rory dumps it down to Jamar Coe and Jamar Coe has good position and he one-step dribbles it, that's up to the scorekeeper to give him an assist. Right. But a lot of times it's not an assist if you dribble it. Mm-hmm. Even Kendall Manuel, who's their best shooter the last two years, a lot of times he's running off a screen. He's getting it. He's pump faking once, yeah. dribbling and shooting it. So you don't get an assist for that. Yeah, I, I, I took. First of all, I, I completely agree with you. I just think it'll be interesting. Who knows how how much Cam Parker is going to play or whatever? We have no idea what the what this rotation is going to look like because there's a lot of good players on this Grizz basketball team this season. But you know, if there was, I, I would be interested to see a guy who really like his absolute. Central and and first, second, and third focus is passing the basketball, is mm-hmm. getting it to guys, and and well, it, what it, that would look like in in this system. Totally, and I mean we're talking about this system, but also a part part of the system is what Coach DeCure has always known, and we've talked about this extensively, especially stemming from our Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast. So much of the influence has trickled downhill. Mike Montgomery to Stu Morrill to Blaine Taylor, those. Three influence what Travis. I mean, this, the a lot of the offensive stuff is largely the same. Yeah, but they've also catered a lot of what they've run to who they've had in their program, and they've had a seemingly endless string of combo guards. You would never want to turn Jordan Gregory or Ahmad Rory into a pass first guy. Those no. guys are the best scorers in the league. Yeah, right. Of course. So, so I would be interested to see. I mean, maybe yeah. they do run and gun a little bit more, but also they have guys now, at least on paper. That might be able to, you know, get on a secondary fast break and shoot a transition three. Mm-hmm. You know, Cam Satterwhite might be able to run that pick and pop and just knock down the jump yeah, shot. Yeah. And so we'll see how the personnel adjusts. But so much of what it has been, it's not has nothing to do with guys and their ability to pass. It just has to do with the talent they've had at their disposal and the system that they run. 
John Rom and TikTok next. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends. Watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they are talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Is uh, this weird asymmetry that exists where there's certain things in the world that you're too old to know what they are? And I have run into this problem here and now. It's Tutel and Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio, at Gus Tutel on Twitter, which I do know about. At Skyline Sports MT. And, yes, indeed, at 1029 ESPN. Tommy. I'm bringing you in to this because... Here I am. I need a kid to talk to. (laughs) I'm not convinced that Coulter will know the answer to this, not the way that I want to know it. Okay. (laughs) What what is TikTok? Oh, I definitely know what the answer to that is, but go ahead, Tommy. I don't know. I just know that it's the source of a bunch of terrible memes. I know that TikTok has killed meme culture. You're not on it? You're not in it? No, I don't don't really make... I get... Maybe what it is, but I don't really know. Tommy. I'm sorry I've thrown your whole segment. You can go back to hanging up whatever you were hanging up in the corner (laughs) in between the breaks. You're useless. Reese, do you know what TikTok is? You're a kid. Come on, Nothing. man! You're a TikTok guy, aren't you? Okay, Coulter, you got the bit. You tell me. What were you? Were you familiar with Vine when Vine was out? Yeah, it was Vine like the, the was six the second coolest of, thing of, ever. of of you know re. So Vine, the Vine is like TikTok, except for that you can take the video for about three times as long and edit it about twice as fast. I mean. Technological you, innovations of plenty. Okay, so can I tell you why I know but, a lot about TikTok? Please. Oh, oh brother. Okay. This, this is actually this is actually a little bit uh, this is sort of funny the way that the the social medias can take you down a rabbit hole. So Eugene, Oregon is a place that has a ton of ties to Missoula, Montana. Both because of the similarities of the college natures of the towns. Oregon and, and Montana have frequently competed in sports and University of Montana specifically, but also Montana State has recruited that area quite a bit. And there's been a lot of kids, whether, you know, for the Grizz recently, Jordan Johnson, Connor Strom, Mike Ralston, all those guys from Sheldon High School. You know, the Herbert, all the Herberts are from Eugene. You know, Mitch Herbert played at Montana State, then obviously Justin Herbert. And, and, you know, Justin Herbert was close to committing to Montana State once upon a time. And then I thought his rise was so fascinating. We've had big sky quarterbacks play in Eugene. So I've paid attention to a lot of. I knew that Justin Herbert was going to come up in Coulter's explanation for what TikTok. I I followed a lot. of uh, Portland area and Eugene area journalists and athletes okay. over the years. So a lot of my Twitter feed has a lot of connections to that neck of the woods. There's also the strong Nike connections from Montana uh, to Portland and Oregon you, and, and all this, right? So I've seen a lot of these retweets and things like that. Well, the probably the two biggest superstars on TikTok in, in its original iteration 
were these two gals that play softball for the University of Oregon, Haley Cruz and Jazz Seavers. Anybody that follows Division One softball knows that they, these two young ladies are all-American caliber. Oregon has a top 10 softball team. Uh, they're the left side of the infield. They're the shortstop and the third baseman. But they are like unbelievable dancers who choreograph all these dances before games in the dugout, like in their softball uniforms and stuff, and they become like these Twitter sensations. So they have like hundreds of thousands of followers, and that's their thing is like posting their pregame TikToks. And so these... Is it Twitter or is it TikTok? Well, TikTok can then link directly into Twitter. Well, everything can link to everything. It's right. the internet. So they're the TikTok superstars, though, and then they're videos, which are funny and cute, they always get retweeted by all these people from Eugene that I follow. So all of a sudden I became like captivated with these young ladies and that's why they I know about TikTok. You haven't answered my question even a little bit in what, my opinion. What is what is your question? What is it? Here's what it's I, a video. You take no, a video no, no. of yourself. I can take a TikTok of you going, what is it? And then <laughs> edit it and put it on TikTok. Edit it how? You just clip it. You just video, clip it. It's like... It's you like, just take off the front and the back It's end. like YouTube on steroids. Or is it a minimalist YouTube? It's a minimalist YouTube. The, the thing that's going to be a little bit innovative for, and this is actually where Vine got in trouble, is shooting short clips during sporting events. That's where it's going to get in trouble. Do you remember like the guys that worked at the Idaho State Journal before... Our guys, Madison Guernsey and Andrew Houghton. Absolutely not. Kyle Franco was one of them. These guys were kind I know of the, James Franco. They were on the forefront of the Vine thing. They related. And so they would take a football play last what six to eight seconds. Yeah. So they would take a Vine of the Idaho State football play. You know, third and seven. Here it is. Boom. Yeah. Post it on Twitter. It was ridiculously laborious what they were having to do, but also not compared to if you were taking that video off your photo app on your iPhone editing it, and then posting it to YouTube. That could have happened in almost real time, whereas this kind of stuff can happen Let in real time. Let me restate my question with maybe some more context, <laughs> okay? Instagram is like texting with pictures. Now we get to see it instead that's of just reading like it. That's not like what it is. You know, that's yeah. what it is. Instagram is a photo Twitter, gallery. Twitter <laughs> is your ability to be interactive if you hope to be with direct people like you can actually like you know you can, oh you can Taylor care. Swift just said that maybe I can get you know a, a like and a whatever and you can sort of like actually track real human beings that are out there in the world that you don't even know okay because they're available in this public forum and it also has a texting aspect to it and then occasionally a pictorial one but not like Instagram which has the more pictorial format Okay, why would I do a TikTok? Because what is it? Go, what is it getting? What fame. is it accomplishing? You can finally get famous, and TikTok is a great way to do it. I, I, I mean, I think, I, I, think, famous. I think my story. I think my story <laughs> reveals how famous you can get for doing almost nothing. I mean, like look these, at me. These gals, I know, but these gals just dance for ten seconds, and it's funny, and like they have this whole handshake thing. But and you could do that. internet sensations. I would never search that out in my life, but I've seen it a million times because it hits the Twitter, and everybody retweets. But that's it. my point. You can do it on Twitter. You could do it on any of these. You can't what do TikTok. You can't, you can't do, for do you? the. You can't do the video though. Yes, you the can. The reason TikTok is such a huge trend is mostly because of people, specifically young females, watching themselves dance. I put together my 13-second routine where I'm dancing like Sierra. Boom, I put it, send it out to my followers. Everybody retweets me. I'm internet famous. It feeds the narcissism by which the millennials live and thrive. And that's exactly. not to sh you know shoot down anyone who's on TikTok or uses the platform, but it is a formula that works so well to serve ads to millennials. So to say, to, to because people can see themselves. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I, I'm like, how happy would you... I mean... The other you, thing, you Ryan, is... You could not put together a marketing campaign as the University of Oregon softball team that would garner the amount of exposure that these young ladies have gotten I, I, I by just doing their pregame. I understand I mean, all that, but they could have danced on Instagram. You know. They could have danced on Twitter. It's not a fitting comparison because you have to remember the change that Instagram made a year ago. They got rid of the like count. So if one person likes your picture or one million people like your picture, it doesn't say how many. It just says some people have liked this. And so a lot of folks have left Instagram, uh, particularly young folks who are trying to get advertising or affiliate deals to make revenue by being a brand or building themselves as a marketing person or brand. Mm -hmm. And TikTok allows you to see exactly how many people watch you, how long they click on you for, and what they go to afterwards. Subscribe to your Snapchat, go to your Facebook, whatever it is. But if they're subscribing to your Snapchat, that's not TikTok either. 
but TikTok is a is an aggregator which links to those other outfits. Okay. You should make a TikTok. What I want to know is do you think your listeners generally know TikTok or no. Macklemore? Neither. Macklemore. It's Macklemore. Macklemore? Macklemore. Okay. Not okay, Coltois. <laughs> Well, I, I, I I have definitive YouTube proof of him saying it to just to uh, defy this. You're just going to have to deal with the fact, not you, because you're right. You're right. But if you have an E-L or an L-E in your last name, it's going to be pronounced the same, regardless of whether it's supposed but to it's be. Two Look at Rory McIlroy. Good luck with that. Why did you get so fired up about TikTok, man? I mean, I saw it, and I just, I just don't understand. Like, what are we doing here? I, you want to know what me dancing is? Just falling over. And so I could put a video of that out anywhere on any platform. Why would I choose TikTok? Let me tell you something. Well, I don't understand what it's doing better than anything else. That's what I don't understand. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the ability to do it in real time. Colton okay. can back me so, up on Okay, this. so for, for me to take a Twitter video of you, it's going to be a little bit grainy. It's not going to be really that great in terms of the way it's going to shoot you. And when I do Isn't it... not up to the when phone? I do, but when I do it, when you shoot it with the Twitter camera, it's not as good as with your video camera, right? But if I take it with my video camera, it's going to take two to three to four minutes for that to upload to Twitter. That's an eternity when you're 19. Man, it's an eternity. And so TikTok, I could shoot the TikTok of you and it will be uploaded to TikTok in seven seconds and on Twitter in 15 seconds. And it, seems, it seems ridiculous that we're talking about the difference between 15 seconds and four minutes, but that's the difference. That's what the young people want. If Faster. you took a video of Kai eating every time he was eating and yeah. put music to it, you'd be a millionaire overnight in a TikTok <laughs> celebrity. You know, let me tell you something. If we're I took doing a video it, of him eating to music, it would be a seven-hour-long video. Yeah. It's a lot of time to serve Kai ass, dude. and the banana challenge. Launch the TikTok channel tonight. Think about Do this for those of you with children. Okay, the next time your kid doesn't want to finish his banana, okay? Imagine if you had a banana the size of a baseball bat. Would you want to eat that whole thing? At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Now, I do envision Kesha being the theme song for TikTok. That's actually very accurate. Two Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great day to be on the show on a Tuesday, I'm telling you what. If you missed anything in the show, including the debate, which we're about to resolve via an expert, check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available all the time on all your favorite podcasting platforms. The podcasts are out there for your enjoyment at your leisure. Thanks to your friends at Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Okay, so uh, clearly nobody in this room uh, has a clue what TikTok is, despite the pr proclamations made by my partner here about you know his certainty that he does know. He has not resolved any question that I've had. So I bring in somebody who I know for sure knows all of these things, our friend Liz. Liz, TikTok, what is the point of TikTok? I could put a video on anything. What is? Why is TikTok a thing? Okay, I think, first of all, you pumped me up to be an expert, and yeah. I'm just the only other person in the building. <laughs> so, you know, thank you, but no thank you. Well, you know how to open Instagram you, you, on your you're phone. You're on TikTok, right? Are you on it? I don't do anything on it. I just watch everyone. But else you have it. You first. have the application. I do have the okay, application. Okay, so why is it a thing over and against any other, like, form of of social media? Like, I, why? what makes it better? Um... It's quick, it's easy, it's super trendy, like 
something's it's cool new. one day and it's not cool like 24 hours later or like everyone else is doing it 24 hours later. It It's like the definition of like viral social media. So it actually is itself a phenomenon. Not yeah, oh, that it's yeah. actually doing something better. This is like Zoom, right? Where you could have had Teams on Microsoft. You could have had Skype, but somehow for some reason, yeah, no one Zoom knows. is the one. Zoom right. got to be bigger. Right. But I still don't understand, and I'm sorry to belabor the point. On Instagram, you can do videos and pictures and even words. On Twitter, you can do all the same things, but they're, you know, they do a couple things. The pictures get filters on Instagram, and then, then you're actually attached to a human being or whatever it is on Twitter. What is unique that would make me want to be a TikTok person as opposed to anything else, other than that's what the kids are up to? So I, I don't know the answer. I would say I don't know because, but like I wanted to know what the kids were up to because everyone was being cool and doing it. So I downloaded it and it was like five hours later, I was watching, you know, my 9,000th video. It's a black hole. It just keeps going. It just plays the next one and the next one and the next one. And you didn't even click anything. And so, so much of it's categorized by dancing, right? Yeah, or like, obviously, I'm an animals person, so mm. I'm mostly dogs and, <laughs> and small creatures. Um, yeah, it's Liz- it's a short thing. I don't like the com- like I don't like to comment, and I don't like to read things. So like, it's like a video book of all these different things that you didn't even know you were going to watch that day. This has been very helpful and enlightening. Thank you for your expertise. You're welcome. What I understand is that the kids are doing it. It used to be it used to be cigarettes behind the school in high school, and now all the kids are doing do, TikTok. Do, do, do you want to know the real answer? Well, do, and yeah, I mean, I believe when Facebook I've got it. when 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 Facebook first came out, you had to have a university affiliated email address to have it, right? So all the college kids were on Facebook. Yes. Then they left the adults on Facebook. So what did all the college kids do? Out went to Instagram. Now everybody has Instagram. Okay. So what all they do? They run away. Every the next what Liz said, like the next social media platform is the one that everybody's okay. using, be, only because it's the next one, and also the one that old people like you don't know how to log into yet. Well, I mean, it, I do know how to log into it. I just don't know why, which is effectively <laughs> the same thing. Because I mean, like at some point, I understood what the benefit was of some of these things or what they did that was unique, and I have yet still to have an expression of what it is for this. And I'm finding now. That there is no answer to that, and that is satisfying to me. Yeah, yeah. It is satisfying to me. Uh, Coulter, you think that John Rahm, being the world number one golfer, is an indictment we on the do, entire PGA Tour. I still don't think we have tour. enough time for this, but let's go. Well, we got let's hit know, it. five minutes. Okay, so uh, explain yourself, because I couldn't disagree with you more. I don't think it's an indictment on the rest of the PGA Tour. I think it's an indictment on the group of young superstar golfers that none of whom have been able to reach up and grab the brass ring. To me, my personal feelings about John Rahm aside... The talent that he was blessed with as a golfer is obviously significant. He's the number one golfer in the world right now. But it is nowhere close to Rory McIlroy or Justin Thomas or Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka or even probably Patrick Reed. There's a, there's a bunch of guys that had a lot of Jordan Spieth, guys that had a ton of success early on who had a chance to be like that prodigious breakthrough guy. There's only been a couple golfers in the history of golf until recently that were ever in any sort of contention in major championships when they are in their 20s. That was unheard of when Tiger Woods was doing that. Guys are in their late 30s and 40s that are winning the Masters. Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods were the only ones right. that were really doing it in their it, 20s. Golf was the latest of blooming sports in terms of the age of the athletes that were at the top But level. then you have Rory McIlroy win his fourth major in, in, I think, only a year less than Tiger won his first four majors. Mm-hmm. Then you had Jordan Spieth win, like what, I think, three, three out of five, out of five majors yeah, when yeah. he was like 22 years old. Yeah. You had... Brooks Kepka come out of nowhere. I know Kepka's in his late 20s, but he still came out of nowhere and, and smacked down he'd, four he'd majors. One tournament right. ever in his career and won four majors in two seasons. And, I mean, we're, we're talking about historic already. I mean, if you've won four majors, you're in the top, I think, 22 golfers in the history of golf Hall, already. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Yes. So I'm not saying those guys have any sort of failures. I'm just saying when Jordan Spieth won his third major in in five tournaments when he was 22 years old, we're like, well, man, this guy's going to make a run at Tiger. This guy's going to make a run at Jack. 
Same thing. And, like, to me, Dustin Johnson is the—, the Rory McIlroy's had injuries and personal problems. Jordan Spieth obviously has something going on upstairs because he hasn't been able to recapture the magic. Some of these other guys, they might have just been flashing the pans. You know, who knows if a guy like um, Zach Johnson can ever really attain that level again. Yeah, yeah. But, like, a guy like Dustin Johnson, that drives me crazy that he's only ever won one major. He is so talented. But what I'm saying is that I just think that there's— if we were to really go through it, I think there's at least 10 and maybe as many as 15 guys who have more natural talent and better games than John Rahm does that have not lived up to what we maybe projected to be their full potential. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Uh, in the in the instance of Dustin Johnson, I, I mean, I just could he, He's the most aggravating golfer of my lifetime in terms of even with a major victory underachieving given the talent because the talent is all time. It's all time. It's all time. I mean, and he's, he's look, as big, strong as there's, a, there's enough stories, right, going around about Dustin Johnson and so forth that maybe some of this is, ex, ex, you know, explicable. Sure. The same thing with Rory McIlroy right. and the same thing with Jordan Spieth. Yep. Okay? Uh, not, not the same uh, events, but I'm talking about off, off, the, off course, the course. Right. Realities right. in their lives that have that have taken them away, which, by the way, clearly was something that never beset Tiger Woods until it did, and then it ruined him. Well, right, but I mean, I for for oh right, oh you're saying he ignored all the off the course stuff because it was obviously going on, and and and, right. and it just never. Let's put it like this. There was never, ever, 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 ever any competition, even when it wasn't going well, for the most important thing in Tiger Woods' life, and that was golf, period, always. Right. If you have competition for the thing that is the most important thing in your life, you, your golf game is going to suffer. It is the nature of the sport because you can't just do it on, quote, talent. Totally. And so that is that is the reality of it, and I don't fault any of those guys that you talked about, but here's where I am going to take issue with you. The reason that you're saying that is merely because you have not placed John Rahm in his proper light as a golfer. Like you, he is, he, he is not just world number one in ranking. He is world elite in talent and skill and the way that he does it. And he is, I mean, thirteen of the fourteen best golfers in the world were at Memorial. And he Tiger won. was at the Memorial. He didn't win. He blew him out of the water. Dusted the I, field. I, okay, okay, but answer me this though. John Rahm at his best versus all those other guys at their best I just named. John Rahm finishes last, right? No. Really? Who does he beat? Everybody at their best is going to be who knows what's going to happen. There's no such thing as just like going out and winning. It's every Could, course. It's every uh, but, It's but, every scenario but, that is but, out there. But, but I, I just, I don't, I don't think there's any scenario where John Rahm wins the Masters of the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship in the same year. Well, okay, so... But those, other guys, but, guy. but those other guys did. No, they didn't. Rory McIlroy won four majors out of seven tournaments, and Brooks Kepka won four out of six, and Jordan Spieth won three out of five. Brooks Kepka, and by the way, good for him. John Rahm's not winning back-to-back U.S. Opens. Won the ever. same two. You don't know that. And by the way, even if he doesn't, it's no indictment on him. It was an amazing run for Brooks Kapka. So, by the way, Brooks Kapka is the guy who everybody went, how did he win? Because he's never won anything. Right. And then after he did it, everybody goes, wow, how great is he? So John Rahm aside, I, I'm more thinking of this, analyzing this through the lens of, I, I think that, one, I think the intense pressure that young golfers, I, I think these guys have all fallen victim to, is he the next Tiger Woods? It's very akin to what happened to guys like Grant Hill and Vince Carter. Why can't we just take Grant Hill for what he was? He's an awesome player. He was an all-NBA player, but everybody wanted him to be the next Michael Jordan. And he might have been something like Without that. the injuries. Yes. But I'm just saying, though, like the pressure, like there was that 10-year gap after Jordan where this guy's the next Jordan, and the only guy who could actually even embrace it was Kobe. I just worry about these guys all trying to live up to the shadow of Tiger Woods. And I also just think that the Brooks Kepka uh, way of managing it if, if that becomes a trend, it'll be bad for golf. Just getting ready for the majors and just winning majors, it's good for your brand. It's not good for the overall sport of golf. Perhaps more of this on down the line. It's Tuesday. Culture's last day of the week is tomorrow. He's bailing on me. That's okay. I got Big Sky Media Days to keep me company. We'll see you tomorrow. See you on Nuanas. See you on Radio.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.